Podcast that talks to different people from around the world about their unique beliefs, ideas, and worldviews. And I hope that in this little way, we can create a better world amidst our differences. John Conway, he's 40 years old. He is from uh, Texas, and he is a machine operator. And uh, he would uh, like to talk about politics and a lot of stuff that I think uh, you would be interested in. So, um, John, um, please introduce yourself and please answer the question, uh, what do you think is the purpose of the government? In America, it's pretty much government control. Uh, basically, outside the interfa- interfaces is like, uh, I can't think of the word right now, overseas, dealing with uh, international concepts and all that. Basically, governing the communication from state to state. There's also military talk about it uh, inside the states and outside the states. Uh, border patrol, just things. But they tend to overstretch their bounds quite a lot. But it's kind of it's what they have to do because the states are not doing what they need to do, and that requires pretty hard question because Americans tend to be a mixture of different cultures religions, people. It just depends on the situation because just like my neighbors, just like my people I know, of all races, racial, culture, anything, they tend to have their own rights and freedoms. And as long as someone across the road, across the state can have the same freedoms I do, I'll find what the government does. Yeah, so I definitely agree that... Um Freedom is something that the government is supposed to preserve. But then there are, for example, um, certain uh, instances where the government has to um, detain or has to overstep the freedom of the people in order to preserve, uh, well, in terms of safety, in terms of uh, the economic uh, reasons. Like, for example... Um, using the information, uh, being able to listen to uh, private calls, and those are those are basically um, over government um, overstepping on or stepping on the freedom of people to privacy. But it also um, uh, they prefer to be to uh, have a, to to make a safer environment rather than. Um, respecting people's privacy it's i have i have four boys 17 18 and two 15 year olds they all have cell phones as being that i'm the father i would be technically considered the governing force i would be the major country governor government and my children would be four states the whole theory of the matter if they work together fine i have no issues depending on how or what they do, and they involve me, then my laws are stricter than theirs. Because my ultimate goal is to produce a agreement among all four boys. And when you do that, more than likely you will piss off or aggravate one of the four states, or in this case, four children. But that is a judgment based on my experiences and my beliefs 
to produce a positive environment. It's not always easy. So you have to make a call in the government the same way. Not all calls are good calls. Not all situations are good situations. Sometimes they literally have no option. And you end up pissing off somebody. It just depends, and it's very relative towards exactly what situation you're talking about. Cell phones, for example, I have to actually monitor cell phones, but how much do I monitor if they're older? Do I monitor less? Do I monitor more? Or do I wait till a problem happens and fix it accordingly? That's a, it's a pretty deep question. It's hard to answer. You know that we tend to be a little uh, bullheaded, I guess the word would be. What I mean by that is that most people, and I would say between the ages of 18 and probably about 30, really have no idea how the government works. They don't understand that if they pay a 0 0.8, 0 0.0826% sales tax, exactly where that money goes. Even though the information is widely available on the internet, and you can go into the, if you want to go into the courts, you can actually go into courts and identify exactly where that money goes what's being paid for and everything else. The gratefulness of it is the gratefulness of it is that people do not look up. They don't understand things. Instead of actually understanding, okay, I'm paying, I don't know, three cents to a dollar, for example, and that three cents goes to paying for schools, fire, and police. They would rather complain that they're being taxed without understanding exactly where it goes. That's one of the problems with America. We just do not we, we believe things without ever so much as questioning exactly what is being said or what is being done. I mean, that, if that answers your question correctly, the freedom of America is great. I mean, there's a lot of freedom in here. You can do relatively anything you want, but it's not free. You have to pay for it. But even at the most taxable rate, you're still making decent money. And if you want to make more money, you have the ability to do so. Now, we, okay, so I live in Texas. Quite literally, everyone owns a gun. Like, I, I don't mean just, I know old women who own guns. It's not a common thing in the state to where your neighbor might own a small arsenal. We're cool with that law. 100% or great. Some laws will not. Some laws, like uh, right now, the coronavirus thing, everyone has to wear a mask. It's not a big deal. It really isn't. I've worn everything from respirators to hay vap systems to forced air, everything. It doesn't bother me. Some people it does, they consider it a, a, a rights violation. And it really isn't. It's the government attempting to fix a problem that they really have no idea how to fix. And when you have a problem you have no idea how to fix, you have to pull everything you can possibly do to make it work. Even if it makes people mad. But there and again, Americans as a whole, and I noticed some people out there they are quite intelligent, but Americans as a whole have never had their rights taken away. have never lost everything. Or have not had a very demanding and overpowering government that forces them to do things they don't want to do, like a communist or a dictatorship or tyranny. So they can't comprehend what it's like to lose a right. So unless you've gone to federal prison, or unless you're going to prison, you have no idea what it's like to lose everything by the act of a government where you cannot change what happened to you. So when you talk about rights, most people don't understand it are felons. 
that people have been in prison because they understand exactly what in the world it's like to lose everything by no choice of their own, even though technically it's their fault, but you know what I mean? You have to lose rights to understand what you really have. Uh, look, America might might seem um, very... Uh, ha to have a lot of laws or a lot of overstepping rights to you, but that um, compared to other regimes and communist or fascist regimes, America is like paradise. And so... But that doesn't um, f f uh, f uh, determine the fact that uh, sometimes a, f a very free government like America can impose very fa fascist laws or not fa not 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 alt-right uh, alt-right uh, alt fascist, but um, laws that uh, seem unnecessary and laws that uh, require more more uh, discussion and for example the the law on on how the government taxes marijuana right yes um, marijuana is a has been overtaken by huge companies and corporate tax tax laws have and corp and and government laws have um have uh, made it very hard for small smaller companies smaller marijuana companies to thrive and so um, uh, that very uh, idea that the government is able to manipulate economics would seem something that um, is would seem very dictatorial when it comes to people who prefer a free econo economy right yes but in a way, there's not really such thing as a free economy. The object of a barter system is not possible. And honestly, even in the most free nations, you have to pay something. Uh, you're here in America, especially in Texas, you hear people compare um, American medicine or the health insurance program to Switzerland and New Zealand, which tend to have a governmentally controlled paid insurance. But they also pay a higher tax bracket. The average average New Zealand pays more for taxes than we do. So yes, you get something out of it, but you also have to get something for it. In America, it is free ride. I'm like I don't have no I don't have any insurance at all. I'm come from a long line of very strong, healthy people. But that doesn't necessarily mean if I go to the doctor right now, I will pay my bill. So it isn't like I'm sitting there stealing from the government. I pay everything that I use. Some people require insurance. That's fine. When Barack Obama was in office, he made a law saying that everyone's required of insurance. And the problem with that situation is that law was not unnecessary, but it was also very poorly media controlled. He made a comment on TV. And I'm not saying anything against Obama. I, I mean, I, he did a lot of good things, but also a lot of bad things like any other president. But this particular situation, he made. He came on TV and said that 99.8% of all Americans are insured. Yes, that is true. They legally are bound to have to get insurance. When your problem with this is how many people can afford to use it. That's the problem that they don't look at. You have 98% of the people who actually have insurance. How many, what's the percentage of the amount of people that can actually legally use it without having to go to another state or country to be able to get insurance medicine? 
That's the problem. So that law was squashed quite quickly by Trump because of the fact that it, it really put people in a bind, especially financial. So it, but the health insurance program down here is a complete nightmare. I mean, it's not bad, but it has its problems. So that's one of those laws that was really not, it didn't achieve anything. It was enacted and achieved nothing. The idea is that I'm a blue collar worker. In the grand scheme of things, I don't mean anything to the United States of America except the tax pay. That's it. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way it is. I'm not, I didn't come from a fine line of Rothschilds or Kennedys or stuff like that. I'm just a little man on a totem pole. The problem is that my grandfather fought in World War II. And he used to tell me, so when you vote for president, you vote for somebody that will not screw you more than anybody else will. It's not necessarily voting for the better president. It's voting for the one that you think that will do you the best for your family. The problem with that is that when you start balancing one or the other, be it Trump, uh, Biden, you'll find so many flaws in both of them that it doesn't actually provide you anything. Usually you have to get to the point where you vote with somebody that is the lesser of two evils. And that's the hard part. Like Bernie Sanders, if some of what he said made sense, but in my personal point of view, I would rather pay higher taxes for my children to have guaranteed uh, college, um, assistance with Medicare, stuff like that. I don't have a problem with that. But then again, in America, we are individualists. We don't care what you think. And that is a, I know it's a very general statement, but it's true. If I pay my insurance, I pay my insurance, and I don't care if you use it because I don't, I'm not paying your insurance. But there and again, Americans have a tendency of forgetting that there is a whole 300, 300 million people in this country. And that some people might need more than others. So if you pay, just say, a dollar more on your taxes, and that helps out people who don't have money or don't have medical insurance or don't have college abilities, does that really hurt or does that help out the general? The problem with America is we don't think that way. We think about, okay, I have my guns, I have my freedom, I have my cigarettes, I have my phone. I don't care about you. And that's one of the bigger things that I see a problem with Americans nowadays is individualism. Everyone on this country, including you and everybody else, is my brother. Bloodline is bloodline. Morality is that everyone has freedom. Everyone should have the same rights I do. Even if they're different race, culture, religion, faith, whatever might be the case. They should have the ability. But then again, in saying that, if you put forth the effort and you become a millionaire and you work out, you do the things you need to do or that you're considered your success, then you should be you should be able to sustain it, which means that I don't believe taxing the rich more for what they have. If I know people that have things that put the stuff that I have to shame and they make a lot more money than I do good for them but they put forth the effort it wasn't given to them they they went to school they did all the things they did everything but there and again i believe that freedom should be given to everybody for any reason i mean my children are two of my children are half mexican and the other ones the other two are half they're a quarter black if i'm not mistaken so i can't really hold a 
concept towards religion or race. I have to have pretty much an open view on things. And not that I don't anyways, but everyone, including my children and anybody else's children, should have the same rights. That's how it should be. I don't believe anybody needs violence. I don't believe anybody needs problems. Anybody needs pain. I don't know you from anybody. I don't know who you are, but I believe you show the same rights I do. And my children do the same way. If they know somebody that's a, a little different or maybe poor, then those people need help. And then you help them. And you don't expect payment back. It's a pay forward concept. The reality of what makes peace is not worrying about what the other person has. It's about worrying about what the other person doesn't have. And that was I was raised that way by my grandfather. But I came to terms with it because I walked away from a lot of the faith that I had. I started realizing the faith has a tendency of blocking certain people. And I don't like that. It's just a, it's a different way of raising. I was witnessing the highest of the evil all the way in the south from the Klan, all the way up to the north to the people that couldn't stand Puerto Ricans. I've seen all forms of hate, all forms of evil, things that I've never want to see in my life again. And it's not, in my book, it's not right. Well, being a reference to happiness? Is that what you're talking about? Ew. Uh, happiness is a really hard subject because it, it depends on who you are, what you are, and what you, what you deem as happiness. In my book, it's as long as you don't hurt anybody or do anything evil, then your happiness is fine. It's when you breach over to the fact that you require something evil or something destructive to make you happy, then we have a problem. But the problem with that is that require government force. And you're going to have to have that because if you don't, then who defines what's good and what's wrong? That's one of the biggest conversations right now in America is what is wrong and what is right. And it's more of a racial and religious thing talking about the actual, well, the well, society itself creates the idea of happiness. Um, all right. America has a tendency of putting the moral happiness, what a human being would define as being happiness as being a object or a status, for example. You won't be happy unless you have this. You won't be happy of that. In a social atmosphere, it tends to, especially with children, I'll give you an example, like a, a Barbie doll. Barbies were somewhere between a size zero and negative four in size. Realistically, there's no girl alive that can actually sustain healthiness to be able to carry that thing. So your happiness is already warped because your idea is that you can't be a little bit bigger and be happy. So, yes, it's a social construct, but... When you get older, you have to allow your own freedom to come alive. Like the, the idea of coming to um, understandment of who you really are, what you really are. Nine out of 10, that will be completely against your social atmosphere, be completely against what you were trained, what you were raised under. Okay, be good boy. And such things. So, Yes, it's, it's controlled socially, but you as a human and not as necessarily as an American will have to break apart from that and actually make your own happiness. And that's where it gets complicated because 
you have to be able to fight the social ideas of it. So in a philosophical kind of view, it's more of a battle on emotional scale than it is actually a physical scale. It's not a social thing as much as it is in your head. And once you actually become self-aware and truly understand who you are and are willing to open up to who you are, then you can decide if this is going to be okay to fight the battle and be socially unacceptable or stand up for yourself and be socially unacceptable. But I think that in America, we have a major problem with, on a philosophical concept, you can actually not be happy, even though you really can. Go inside. Go inside. All right, fine, stay outside. So it's not necessarily an easy question for me to answer because my life is different from a lot of people's. I never strive for happiness. So I don't even know what it's like. I just... If I've solved, a, if I had a problem, I solved it and I fixed it and I morphed it to whatever I can do to make my life better than it is. It wasn't necessarily for the search of happiness. It was for the search of fixing a problem. And once you fix a problem, happiness tends to come with it as long as it's fixed correctly. And if it's not fixed correctly, you change it again. Dedication and sacrifice are the two things to make it important. What you want to sacrifice for what you believe in and who you are and how much you want to dedicate to become what you really want to be. And if you don't have those two things, then you will not be happy because the fact you can't really contemplate who you are. You can't think harder than what you really, you know, can't think further than what you really are. I'm not my parents and neither are my kids. My kids are not me. The different world, different concept. Different... There are two ways you, you have to live, at least in America. Come on, it's us, it's us. You have your work dedication, what you're dedicating, what you sacrifice to pay your bills and to make your life possible. The other one is yourself. When you sit in a dark room and you're contemplating the laws of physics and how they affect you and deconstructing your way of thinking to understand if you really are thinking correctly. That's two parts of living. That's why your business stays your business, your home stays your home. That's why a lot of people are completing people at work. I'm a completing person at work. I don't talk about a lot of things because religion in Texas is not really a good subject, but I will some people. It just depends. But in my own heart, in my own mind, what I really am and who I really am, I've spent 40 years trying to develop. But some of it is for my own use, for example. Uh, best example of that is that you have what makes you who you really are psychologically and what makes you act the way you do the morals, the values, the thoughts, the hatred, the concerns, the scare, the fear, and so on and so forth is very in depth. And most people don't understand it because when you explain something like that, it's a portion of it. It's not the whole thing. So if I explain to you, like, I have a fear of water. It's a weird thing. And it goes back years. Now, if I explain that, you look at me like, my God, that, that, that's, that's weird. Well, it may not be because I have built my life around my fears and understood who I am. So therefore, that fear has become a part of me and part of my thinking. So therefore... 
that part of me, you just take it one piece at a time, it makes no sense whatsoever. But if you take the whole thing, you sit down long enough to hear everything that's in my head, you're like, oh, well, that makes all the perfect sense in the world. But Americans and people and humans, they don't, they don't put forth the effort to think that. But that's who you are. Your brain's extremely complex and so are your thoughts. So what makes you happy and who you really are takes a lot of time and energy. Try to find out what really makes you you. And once you figure that out, you will find happiness. But not because you looked for it, but because of the way that you built yourself. It will come find you. And that's how, that's how it, in my point of view, works. You look for happiness, you never find it. It doesn't exist. But if you look at yourself and find out who you really are, happiness will find you. Because you open your eyes to things that you normally would not be able to see because you put blinders up or brick walls, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, and you mentioned that um, there are two businesses. The the external, for example, you work, your work, your uh, jobs, uh, your safety, home, bills, and the internal uh, activities by which your own contemplation of who you are. And... Uh, I definitely agree that the more you know yourself, uh, it is it's that that will be much easier for you to find what can really make you happy because you could be the richest man in the world and still not be happy, right? And 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 yeah, and so um, for example, for as you said that it took a long time for you to find out who you are and what made you happy, but for some for example, for someone who is very young. And they will have to, uh, they will have to have a long road ahead of them before they f- truly find out who they are, because they will grow, they will continue to change as they they grow older. And so, how, what, what path should they take, what knowing that the only way to find happiness is to figure out who they are? My children, my two oldest ones, went to Greece and Italy for a school event that cost an, a hard amount of money. But they went to Greece and Italy for a school event. And it's the first time that they've ever seen a different culture. And they noticed how slow they were, how laid back they were, how just, ah, well, good, we'll have a cup of coffee. And I have an 18-year-old and a 17-year-old. My 17-year-old is fast-tracked. He thinks he's got a pretty good belt, ball on things. He's ready to go. My 18-year-old is a little bit laid back. He may not be where he wants to be, but he kind of got an idea of where he wants to go. My two 15-year-olds, they don't have a freaking clue, not one. Now, should I rush him? Should I sit there and say, okay, you're going to college? Or should I say, hey, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? You have to, as a father, you have to put the seed in their head to the idea of not saying that they would be forced to go to college, but the idea that they have to think about what they want to do where they want to be, how they, I mean, my children have changed their minds more times than I've changed socks. It's insane. But because they find one thing, oh, that makes me great and happy. And they find another thing, oh, no, that, that, that doesn't work. I can't do that. Or they find out that the, what they want to do requires an astronomical amount of work for very little benefit. So they don't want to do it. Now, as a 15-year-old, you must give them time. They have to develop. They have to understand who they are. And they got to find out who they are. So as a father, if they do something bad, 
you correct them and tell them why, and then you let them grow. So you still try to lead them down a path, but the path you try to lead them down isn't necessarily a certain schooling or education or job. It's just a moral standpoint. So my job as a father is to teach them the morals that I hold true, but only the good ones, because at that age, if you tell them something that may not be, I don't know, the cleanest way of doing things, they don't have the experience that I do to go, oh, that's evil, but I'm not going to do it. They're so young, they'll do it like, this sounds interesting. I'm going to do that. Like jumping out of an airplane, for example. I know better, and I know what I have to do to make that function to where I can live. They do not. So you'd have to let them grow, but allow them to understand, you know, this is not. The basic problem with them is that you have a multitude of different children in the school. Uh, school is probably the biggest social experiment that ever existed. You have everybody from different religions, faiths, walks of life, some with mothers, some with fathers, some with aunts, some with uncles. And they may be at different stages. I was working at the age of 12. My children are not. There's a whole different world back then. So, And some kids out there are working at this age, and they know what they want to be, whereas some of the kids don't, which causes a little bit of a form of depression or regret that they're not, they're doing something wrong. When actuality, they're doing this thing just fine. It's just taking longer and that's okay. It's just, you, parents here, especially in Texas are prone to push them to do what either they have not been able to do or they have in their head, this concept of what happiness really is. My oldest, for example, he asked me, so what should I do? He said, what do you mean? Should you go to college? Should I go to school? Should I go to trade school? I was like, hell, I don't know. I said, by the time you get out of college, I'll probably be dead. I mean, I lived a hard life, so the chance of me living past 60 is not good. But I said, you have to understand, in 30 years, in, well, in, in well, 20 years, I will be 60 years old, and you will be 40. He said, okay. He said, you're the one that has to look back and go, am I happy with my decisions? Did I waste my time? That's the hardest lesson to teach a younger child is that you're the one that has to make a choice. You're the one that has to walk the line. If you don't want to walk it, then change your path. But these kids are so amped to just going to the quickest thing possible to make them happy when they don't understand that, that path and road to doing the right thing and being, being happy is not a small or easy road. But if they take the time, they'll make good, they'll make good paths. It's just, it's complicated. Even being over here, it's complicated. Especially the age group. Uh, one last question so we can end this uh, episode. Um, and I hope that you could uh, guess in other pod, uh, episodes where I could, you could have a conversation with someone who is a pure libertarian. Um, one last question. What do you think as an individual who knows that um, America has... A lot of ignorant people and there are a lot of uh, smart people as well um, how do you how can you as an individual make a good difference towards making your country a better a better place for everybody I got in a conversation online one time we I, I live in a pretty relatively small town and one of the people were complaining about a vagabond which is a 
old world for a old world term for a uh, homeless person. And they're sitting at a gas station and they're begging for money. The girl complains about the fact that they're doing that. And I said, look, what are you going in there for? Sandwich, uh, drink, what is it, about 10 bucks? If you can afford that, you can afford another five bucks for him. Buy him a sandwich. Well, he's just gonna buy alcohol. Fine, don't give him money, buy him a sandwich. The concept is not so much, and I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not self-glorifying myself. I'm just, just statement. What it means is that you can't judge people for who they are. You have to judge people what they do and what they've done now. I have a past that's a mile long, and it's a dark one. But I'm not the same person I was 30 years ago. And neither are some of these people. But when you look at somebody, you give them a gift, that is it. One of the major reasons why I prefer some of the more modern religions like Christianity and uh, is Islam, Muslim, Muslim, that's right. I can never remember which one it is. But um, is that in, in its core, it teaches peace. In its core, not what they blast over the internet. I'm talking about the actual core of the religions. Is that everyone's your brother, everyone's your sister, everyone's your friend, and everyone deserves everything. If you have a sandwich, you split it, and you give the other person a sandwich. If everyone did that as a human in America, half the problems wouldn't exist. But we still, 2020, we still can't get past race. Race is an issue. Like if you walked into Texas right now, you were a dark-skinned individual, you'd be looked upon differently. And that is the born-in hate that people have. It's going to be destruction of society in America. But we can't get past the simplest things, religion differences, hate. I met a Muslim a long time ago, and he was one of the most devout people I've ever met in my entire existence. And he would pray, and he treated everyone, even people not that did not walk the same faith as he did. He treated them equally. And if America as a whole did that, capitalism wouldn't exist. The economy would be better, but people as a whole would be better. So I want to see you any differently as what you are right now. Now, if that happened, that's what America needs to do. That's what humans need to do. Will it happen? No. Over what? How many years been on this planet? A couple million, I think it was. I can't remember how long they've been on here. But we still can't get past the simplest things. And we fought wars for the last thousand years, two thousand years over mindless stuff that don't make any difference just because you're different than me. We still haven't been able to get past it. And this world that I've been on for 40 years, I haven't seen any different. If you come to my house and you're black, you'll still get the same piece of chicken that I do. If you come to my house and you need food, I will feed you. If everyone thought that way, then there will be a better place and America would be a wonderful place. And we'd fix all our problems within 10 minutes. It costs no, costs everybody nothing. You just, okay, you need something, what you need. I'll help you out. And then that person goes to the next person needs help and you help them out. And you just keep going down the line and eventually, over time, every person will get what they need. But if you haven't noticed, it's not, it's not gonna happen. We, we love violence. It's just the way we are. I hope the best for my children when they get older, but I almost have to tell them not to worry about anybody else, just worry about your own happiness. Because the more you worry about everyone else, the more heartache you get because you have to let people be who they are. And sometimes that heartache 
is because psychologically they can't get past their own hate and their own anger. So you have to let them go. And that hurts more than anything else. When you have to say, okay, you are too evil or too mean for me. Even though you need help, I refuse to help you. And that is not an easy step to make. It's not, it's not pretty and it will destroy your, your psyche faster than anything else will. So you got a long road and I don't see it going anywhere myself. But then again, it's not easy, buddy. You ask complicated questions. So that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host, Elmo Ador Jr. And thank you for listening in. And please subscribe. Please follow us on Facebook. Please, please follow this. Please. Thanks. Thank you.